Welcome to Zensylvania. My name is Eric Adrians, and I'll be your host, tour guide, or master of ceremonies. You decide which. In Zensylvania, I explore motorcycle zen, literature, philosophy, and a variety of other obsessions which provide me with meaningful and sometimes unexpected insights into living the kind of life I want to live and being the kind of person I want to be. I'm not an expert in any of these things. In fact, it would probably be a mistake for me to claim to be an expert in anything at all. But I can be a dedicated enthusiast, and I generally try to maintain a beginner's mind when it comes to life and all of the wonderful things there are to learn while living it. I take an iterative approach to this podcast and website project. The content that you see or hear today may be updated tomorrow, next week, or even next year. With your feedback and participation, I hope Zensylvania is the kind of place that keeps us, you and I, visiting often. I want to thank those who have supported and encouraged me in this project so far. Thank you very much to Kelly Joe, Jason, Rajan, and Richard. I really do appreciate you. I'm glad that you've decided to visit me here in Zensylvania. Maybe together we'll be able to figure a few things out. I certainly hope we manage to have a good time. Zensylvania, it's a state of mind. Fuzzy logic is intended to model logical reasoning with vague or imprecise statements. It refers to a family of many-valued logics where the truth values are interpreted as degrees of truth. The truth value of logically compound propositions is determined by the truth value of its components. In other words, like in classical logic, one imposes truth functionality. A fuzzy set assigns a degree of membership, typically a real number, from the interval 0, 1 to elements of the universe. Fuzzy logic arises by assigning degrees of truth to propositions. The standard set of truth values is the real unit interval 0, 1, where 0 represents totally false, 1 represents totally true, and the other values refer to partial truth, in other words, intermediate degrees of truth. Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Living Fuzzy, an incomplete exploration of fuzzy logic. In the summer of 2006, my wife and I purchased a brand new Mitsubishi Outlander SUV as our new family vehicle. That particular Mitsubishi Outlander was a first generation of the nameplate and it was built in Okazaki, Japan in July of 2005. But it was sold to me about a year later in Thunder Bay, Ontario as a 2006 model. After 15 years of owning, operating and maintaining this vehicle, I recently noticed, or perhaps simply recalled, that this little SUV uses something called fuzzy logic in the computer of its transmission. For some reason, that fact seemed to me to be an interesting and significant starting point for investigation. After all, the term fuzzy logic seemed to be the kind of thing that someone might use to describe a decision-making process that they considered to be rather less than clear and pristine. 
and indeed it occurs to me that life and reality are almost always rather less than clear and pristine. So I decided to delve the matter to learn more about what significance this fuzzy logic might have to my car's transmission and possibly also for me in my quest to live the kind of life I want to live and be the kind of person I want to be. My Mitsubishi's transmission is formally designated as Invex-2, where Invex, I-N-V-E-C-S, is an acronym for Intelligent and Innovative Vehicle Electronic Control System. The Roman numeral 2 following the acronym indicates that the transmission in my vehicle is actually the second generation or iteration of this declaredly intelligent and innovative system. Aside from setting the stage for a novel marketing literature tech speak blurb, what the Invex transmission does is continuously adapt the vehicle's gear shifting behavior based on the vehicle driver's style and the measurable road conditions. It is a dynamic rather than a static system. As may be predicted, this dynamic decision-making process reminds me of Robert Persig's views about static and dynamic quality. These are central concepts to Persig's metaphysics of quality, which is itself a kind of fuzzy, and by that I do mean unclear, philosophy. At the moment, I'm not going to try to provide an explanation or analysis of Persig's ideas on static and dynamic quality. But I think it is interesting that the fuzzy logic in my transmission may well provide insights into a metaphysics of quality and vice versa. For example, one of the most often referenced passages in Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance says, the Buddha, the Godhead, resides quite as comfortably in the circuits of a digital computer or the gears of a motorcycle transmission as he does at the top of a mountain. Or in the petals of a flower. To think otherwise is to demean the Buddha, which is to demean oneself. This short passage demonstrates Persig's extraordinarily consistent attention to the detail of his philosophy, and it seems like no small coincidence that the key feature here is a vehicle transmission. And why do I say that? For more than a hundred years, the internal combustion engine has been an intimate part of human societies and of global civilization. Whether one has any affection for these noisy, stinky, finicky, polluting monsters or not, the internal combustion engine has been a kind of partner and soulmate to humanity's development during the 20th century. The internal combustion engine is so well beloved by people that Automotive enthusiasts and automotive literature reaches its most poetic, rhetorical, and emotional heights when approaching the topic of vehicle engines. The devotion is very effectively religious in its enthusiasm. I apply that term in both its contemporary and its archaic sense. It might seem odd, then, that one of Zen and the Art's most iconic passages refers to the gears of a motorcycle transmission rather than, for example, the valve train or carburetors of a motorcycle engine. 
Upon investigation, it becomes clear that the passage is written the way it is because it is consistent with Persig's underlying philosophy. Simply stated, a motorcycle transmission is what allows progression of a static entity within the dynamic conditions of the real world. It is a real-time mechanical processor. Stated slightly differently, Persig clearly understood that an engine may well be the metaphorical heart of a vehicle, something that is quoted in automotive literature all the time, but it's the transmission that is the brain in the actuator. Actually, using Persig's terminology, I'm going to suggest that the engine is the romantic mode of the motorcycle, while the transmission is the classic mode. Well, how is it that a transmission is the brain of a vehicle? An internal combustion engine works by burning fuel and oxygen and turning little explosions of energy into a rotating force. Most internal combustion engines rotate from 800 revolutions per minute, or RPMs, all the way up to 16,000 or more RPMs. That's more than a vehicle's wheels are ever likely to rotate. So transmissions take the internal combustion engine's rotation and converts that to RPMs that make sense at the wheel. The earliest transmissions were manually coordinated collections and quantities of gears which enabled the vehicle to translate engine power into faster and faster speeds. A person would monitor the real-world conditions and preferences and change from one gear to another. The person made decisions that were translated into motion through the transmission. In effect, a manually operated transmission accepts the inputs of power from the engine and the decision-making from a human to deliver output to the vehicle's drive wheels. Many, and certainly not all, people who ride motorcycles and drive cars enjoy being an active participant in the process of knowing what is going on and choosing when and how gears are changed. Well, later automatic transmissions were developed which eliminated the need for a person to actively decide which gear to use. The transmission would automatically shift when particular conditions or states were reached. Getting back to the fuzziness of life in reality, being an active participant in the selection of gears means you choose the collection of gears intended to move you in your preferred direction. This is perhaps one of the most profound and fundamental considerations that anyone can make about things. Because almost certainly, whether you want to be an active participant in decision-making or not, while operating a motorcycle or while managing other aspects of your life. This does not merely inform the kind of experience you may expect to have. It may also define the type of experience that you certainly cannot have. For the most part, you really can't coast along in a disengaged way with a vehicle equipped with a manual transmission. And you can't coast along in a life where you actively engage in your own decisions. There's some effort involved. It is something to think about. Personally, I earnestly recommend learning to operate a manual transmission, both literally and figuratively. 
Well, as I've already mentioned, technological progress eventually resulted in automatic transmissions, which are a kind of static system, wherein a narrow range of inputs produce a set range of outputs. In an oversimplified way, achieving certain engine RPMs tells the transmission to shift up to a next gear and vice versa. And then later, of course, with transmissions, gears were eliminated completely in what is called the continuously variable transmission. This latter form of transmission not only removes human decision making as in the automatic transmission, but it also removes the pretense and underlying infrastructure that enabled individual human decision making in the first place, meaning the gears. There's another profound observation about progress and modern society in that observation of modern transmissions. If only one could tease out what that might be. Well, regardless, in a traditional transmission, whether the gears are selected by a human being or by a computer, what we have is a system which responds to changing or dynamic situations to select a preferred or static pattern or gear to allow motion. An internal combustion engine only becomes an effective motor with the presence of a transmission. How does all that relate to fuzzy logic? Well, the next bit starts to get a bit more complicated and a whole lot more fuzzy. In my essay, Footnotes to Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, Part 1, which is available in text on the Zensylvania website or as an audio podcast episode, I talked a bit about how that book's title might be viewed as employing the language of logic. I argued that viewing the word and in the title, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, as signifying an and gate from the language of formal logic can provide novel and valuable insights into Robert Persick's philosophy and rhetorical approach. In other words, his storytelling technique. An AND gate is a basic digital logic feature which describes a situation where a specific output is generated only when multiple specific inputs are provided. In other words, Persick's title allows placement of Zen as one input and the art of motorcycle maintenance as a second input at the front end of a logic gate. The two are brought together for an output. In effect, they are synthesized. As an aside, isn't it interesting that a transmission serves as a kind of AND gate for the power produced by the engine on the one hand and the decision making of an intelligent human or non-human decision maker on the other? By viewing the book's title and the book itself in this way, one might indicate that the output side of this AND gate view of Persick's title may be the book's subtitle, An Inquiry into Values. And that's the output side of the AND gate. Alternately, perhaps, life itself is the other side of the AND gate. As you may see, viewing the words Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance by the language of mathematics and logic is a playfully interesting and elegant demonstration of the book's primary objective as presented in the subtitle. I want to keep that short phrase, an inquiry into values, 
in mind throughout this essay, as I think it may well be a defining detail or consideration, not only for Persick's book, but for other things as well. A central theme of Zen and the art, as well as Zen philosophy, is a rejection of dualism. While I recognize that I am at risk of backing up so far that we'll all have forgotten that this was supposed to be an essay about fuzzy logic, it's a genuinely significant feature of my reflections and the position that I'm shuffling toward. It is reasonable in Zen to argue that those two inputs that I mentioned, Zen on the one hand and the art of motorcycle maintenance on the other, are not actually separate and distinct from each other. Viewing the title as an AND gate as a point of synthesis makes this point explicitly. You just have to be familiar with the language and be open to reconsidering your perspective. I might also add that an AND gate may be construed as a process. My non-expert depiction of an AND gate may be do some extra explanation and justification at this point and perhaps also some shared detail as to why I think that fuzzy logic is an interesting and potentially critical concept. Keep in mind as we proceed that this is all in the spirit of Zensylvania's non-expert status, and also that what follows is a kind of speculation of fuzzy logic as a concept to approach the integration of human experience, reality, and decision-making. While attempting to explain all of this speculation, I want to call it living fuzzy. And as usual, yes, we're going to get a bit meta and a bit self-referential. So let's start with that AND gate. It comes to us from so-called Boolean algebra. This is a form of algebra where the values of variables are so-called truth values of true and false. Well, already we have a massive terminology and jargon that threatens to shut many non-mathematicians and non-experts right down. But let's look at what we have. Algebra is a form, feature, or branch of mathematics. It is the study of mathematical symbols and the rules for manipulating those symbols. It doesn't seem unreasonable to say that algebra is the syntax and grammar of the language that is mathematics. Here in Zensylvania, we consider all language to be a form of metaphor, a situation where words, symbols, images, and other tricks of language are used to describe the world. All of these tools are stand-ins for things in the real and even in imaginary world or worlds. The word motorcycle is not itself a motorcycle. To say motorcycle zen is to say metaphor zen. Language is always a placeholder for some other thing. Often, but not always, a thing in the real world. So for anyone who feels intimidated by algebra and mathematics, I really want to repeat that algebra is to math what grammar is to language. They are a way to explain the world. Algebra is what reveals the form, pattern, and process of math. Math itself is a quantification of things. 
I want to suggest that mathematics is not the only language of quantification, but I'm not entirely certain that that's fully true. I'd need to use a kind of fuzzy logic to work that out. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. At the least, and for now, let me argue the more solid point that Boolean algebra is not the only algebra. Like any other language, mathematics is used to describe and explain things that we can observe in what we call the real world, and frankly, also in theoretical worlds. To say or write that Boolean algebra describes a world where the values of variables are so-called truth values of true and false is to translate algebra into a jargon-ridden version of the English language, but such is the delicate and imperfect art of translation, not to mention the delicate and imperfect task of explaining the world. So what about that jargon? The word algebra comes from the Arabic word al-jabr, which is taken from the title of a 9th century book, The Science of Restoring and Balancing, by the Persian mathematician and astronomer Al-Khwarizmi. Al-jabr meant the reunion of broken bones, in other words, bone setting. Al-Khwarizmi used the term to refer to the operation of moving a mathematical term from one side of an equation to the other. It's interesting that as languages borrowed and shifted over time, our current English language version of the word algebra comes to us from an Arabic term for a medical concept. In effect, the denotative meaning of the word algebra, which referred to a process of bringing together bones, was al-Khwarizmi's connotative metaphor for the process of bringing together mathematical symbols. Al-Jabr became algebra, and algebra is the bones of mathematics. And you can see that the bones of mathematics is the structure, form, or pattern of mathematics as I've already described. Exploring this etymology of the word algebra is a wonderful example of how metaphor and language develop, but let's get back to the Boolean algebra. As previously stated, Boolean algebra describes a world where the values of variables are so-called truth values of true and false. From our example, the book title, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, the variables are Zen on the one hand and the art of motorcycle maintenance on the other. In an algebraic sense, both of the values are assigned a truth value. Within Boolean algebra, these variables are assigned truth values by the zero or one, as we've established, where one is true and zero is false. Boolean algebra was introduced by the English mathematician George Boole in his first book, The Mathematical Analysis of Logic in 1847, and set forth more fully in his An Investigation of the Laws of Thought in 1854. A little bit later, Charles Sanders Peirce, who coined the term pragmatic philosophy and founded the field, gave the title A Boolean Algebra with One Constant to the first chapter of his work the simplest mathematics in 1880. For those interested to follow the trail we've described, we can go from al-Khwarizmi 
to Zensylvania along the following path. From Al Khwarizmi to George Boole, from Boole to Charles Sanders Pierce, from Pierce to William James, and then on to Alfred North Whitehead, down to F.S.C. Northrop, who we've not even yet spent time on, and arriving at Robert Persig, thereby to yours truly and the Zensylvania podcast. One of the most famous lines from Persig's Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance goes, the Buddha, the Godhead, resides quite as comfortably in the circuits of a digital computer or the gears of a cycle transmission as he does at the top of the mountain or in the petals of a flower. To think otherwise is to demean the Buddha, which is to demean oneself. It seems only fair to give Persig in his writing reasonable credit for being not only aware of the language of Boolean algebra, but also educated about its uses and implications. In fact, it is reasonable to observe that Boolean algebra has been fundamental in the development of digital electronics of his day. Persig was, after all, a technical writer in the field at that time. Therefore, my suggestion that Persig referenced a Boolean AND gate is, as I hope that I've demonstrated, a reasoned and reasonable suggestion. The subtitle of Zen in the Art of Motorcycle and Maintenance is An Inquiry into Values. In Boolean algebra, where variables are assigned truth values, usually denoted 1 and 0, true and false respectively, it seems to me that Persig would have been supremely aware of the consistency between his motorcycle-themed inquiry and Boolean algebra concepts. In Boolean algebra, an AND gate is a conjunction. The AND of a set of operands is true if and only if all of its operands are true. All elements have to be present for something to be considered true. We're not going to run that down much more than that right now because that is the central matter which Persig worked with and that we need to contrast with fuzzy logic. Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance, internal combustion engine, and intelligent decision maker. So what is fuzzy logic? Contrast the picture of truth that Boolean algebra presents, that variables are assigned truth values of one or zero, true or not true, with the situation where fuzzy logic allows that truth value of a variable may be any real number between zero and one. Now think about that. A real number between 0 and 1. Well, this is degrees of quantification. As a sidebar, isn't it wonderful that mathematics is capable of employing both real and imaginary numbers? Well, thank you, Rene Descartes. With fuzzy logic, there is a logical system which allows for degrees of truth. It allows for a world which is not either all on or all off, all zero, all one, all true, all untrue. Fuzzy logic allows for the reality of a nearly infinite quantification of some, some truth. The term fuzzy logic as the formal designation for a mathematical process was introduced with the 19th 
65 proposal of fuzzy set theory by Azerbaijani scientist named Lotfi Zadeh. The underlying concepts have been studied since the 1920s under the slightly different term infinite valued logic by the Polish mathematicians Jan Lukasiewicz and Alfred Tarski. That term infinite valued logic simply says that there are an infinite number of things that can influence an outcome. I highlight this as a way to emphasize that fuzzy logic and infinite valued logic are, before anything else, a rejection of either or dualism. I'm sure there are experts in the field who may be motivated to offer some tidying up of the history and facts here, and perhaps even with the argument that I'm making, but I'm happy to keep it all a bit fuzzy. Fuzzy logic derives its fuzziness from the fact that people make decisions based on imprecise and non-mathematical information. Mathematics is not the underlying language of human decisions, at least not in the way that most of us conceptualize mathematics. Fuzzy models or sets are a mathematical way to represent and systemically account for the vagueness that is inherent in, well, everything. These models have the capability of recognizing, representing, manipulating, interpreting, and utilizing vague, uncertain information. The kind of information that fills the reality of living. Boolean algebra and gate propositions, like other all-or-nothing propositions are convenient in their ability to cut through clutter with an absolute proposition. In some situations, a simple yes-no framework makes decision-making easy. Easy yes-no frameworks make, however, for unsubtle and often unreflective decisions. One only needs to look at Canadian first-past-the-post electoral design to observe the limitations of a binary system applied to a world that is much more varied and complicated. Often in Canadian electoral results, the largest localized minority share of the vote political party wins, leaving the majority of citizens disappointed and disenfranchised. Well, politics aside, consider the regular day-to-day -day decisions and adjustments we all have to make where proportions matter, where degrees of truth is a valid and useful concept, where there is more than just a go-no-go -no -go proposition at hand. Do you go into the shower using only hot water or only cold water, or do you mix the two? A fuzzy model allows for a nearly infinite range of answers to the question of how much hot water to use, how much heat, how much true. A fuzzy model includes a multiplicity of yes-no propositions in context of each other. That is how a fuzzy model provides a more accurate and appropriate picture of the world. Well, let's get back to my Mitsubishi's transmission. On the website of the Society of Automotive Engineers, there is an abstract of an article written by Katsutoshi Usuki, Kenjiro Fujita, and Katsushiro Hata that provides an insight into fuzzy logic. 
that's insightful and useful as it is dry, at least superficially and uninspiring. What I'm providing is an abridged version to focus on what strikes me as insightful to Persig's metaphysics of quality and to this incomplete investigation of living fuzzy. Usuki, Fujita, and Hata wrote that Mitsubishi Motors developed the Invex automatic transmissions with electronic controls, which incorporated a shift schedule control that allowed gear selection in response to driving condition and the driving habits of individual drivers. These transmissions also included a so-called sporty mode, which allowed the driver to choose a dynamic drive feel as if operating a manual transmission, but without the clutch. In other words, dynamically selecting gears in response to the conditions they experienced and based on their priorities. Well, for anybody who rides a manual transmission motorcycle or has driven a manual transmission car, you'll be familiar with the need for progressive braking and the need for a controlled and sensitive balance of clutch and throttle. Get it wrong, and operation of the vehicle can be a frightening and violent situation. All kinds of bucking and gnashing can go on. You also know that driving conditions, such as how wet or dry the road surface is, how fast you're going, the RPMs of the engine, whether you're entering or turn or in a straight, all of these affect how much clutch, how much brake, and how much throttle may be used to keep things in control. It's a dynamic situation. There are degrees of truth. Perhaps some brake, but not all of the brake. Perhaps the clutch needs to be let out a tad more quickly, but not too much more quickly. The Invex transmission in my SUV incorporated a shift schedule control that allowed gear selection in response to driving condition, driving habits of individual drivers. They imitated the decision-making that a human being decider may make. In effect, the intelligent transmission in my SUV acts as I would act when operating a manual transmission. It does this literally as it learns my driving preferences, and it does this metaphorically as it changes the gears based on dynamic real-world variables that may call for some brake or a bit more sharpness in the release of the clutch. Well, how does the fuzzy logic do this? Unlike Boolean algebra, which uses truth values zero or one, Fuzzy logic allows for a wide range of inputs, which can produce outputs that fall between 0 and 1. I want to say that it provides the possibility of degrees of truth, which ranges from completely, utterly false to completely, utterly true, but includes the possibility of concepts like somewhat true, partially false, largely true, and so on. It's a kind of spectrum of truth, which is contingent upon the contexts and contingencies within which it exists. Frankly and simply, it allows for the real world. Within fuzzy logic, truth is inherently not binary. It is not dualistic. The Invex transmission feels the road conditions as I might feel the road conditions, and to an extent, 
I as the vehicle operator are one of the conditions the transmission feels. Different drivers behave differently and the transmission allows for that variability. The distances between zero and one, the driver with a heavy foot and the driver who's more casual. For those who may not relate to all of this motorcycle and transmission information as a meaningful metaphor, let me suggest that many, if not all, of the daily decisions of life are an individual's reactions to the conditions of the metaphorical road that is life and the person's individual preferences at any given time. Sometimes we may want to go along quickly and efficiently. Sometimes we may want to proceed with a low speed caution. And sometimes we may get a bit of a thrill from simply spinning our wheels. In his Metaphysics of Quality, Robert Persig described dynamic quality and static quality. Static quality is something that can be defined and, I might argue, responds well to Boolean algebra. The AND gate, applicability of a definable Zen and a definable art of motorcycle maintenance, works with the static quality. Persig's dynamic quality, his so-called cutting edge of reality, does not. Dynamic quality works better with fuzzy logic. Well, Alfred North Whitehead, on the other hand, had a philosophy of organism which describes actual occurrences and actual entities. Dynamic quality, this cutting edge of reality, is the reality process which Whitehead depicted. Again, back to my Mitsubishi transmission. A sales-oriented version of the Mitsubishi story says the Invex 2 automatic transmission simultaneously provides driving pleasure and operational economy. First gear is the low range to be used when power is required. Fifth gear is the high range and provides optimum fuel economy and quietness of operation. The other gears allow vehicle operation in response to existing road conditions or driver preferences and style. When the Invex 2 is used in the automatic mode, all shifting decisions are made by the onboard computer. This permits safe and easy driving. The same computer exercise control over the engine during shifting to provide the highest possible shifting quality. For enhanced driving pleasure, the Invex 2 has a sports mode that allows the driver to take control of the shifting decisions. The Invex transmission sets out truth variables as ranging from, on the one hand, when power is required, and on the other, when optimum fuel economy and quietness are preferred. It's a system which is based on efficiency, but driving pleasure. Which brings us back to Persig again, and an inquiry into values. We're talking about pleasure, what's considered good, power or optimum fuel economy. What is good is or is different or dynamic based upon the conditions and the preferences. There's a range or degree of what is good between these two ends. It's an extreme an improbable journey, if not impossible one, where power is completely and continuously preferred over optimum fuel economy and quietness, or vice versa. First gear is one preference, 
fifth gear is another, and there's everything in between. I'm also struck by the observation that enhanced driver pleasure is recognized by the engineers when they're actively engaged in the decision-making process. Well, this is a metaphor of life. We derive more pleasure in our life when we are actively involved in the decisions, even when the variables that may affect them are infinite in quantity and entirely unclear. for joining me in this part of Zensylvania. I hope you've enjoyed your time listening to the podcast as much as I did putting it together. You can find text versions of Zensylvania stories and essays at zensylvania.com. If you've enjoyed the content you've heard so far, please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd also love to hear your thoughts. My email address is zensylvaniapodcast at gmail.com or you may wish to use the link in the episode description box to leave a voice message for use in this or a future episode. If you'd like to support the Zensylvania podcast, you can find us on Patreon or buy me a coffee. Thank you again for joining me in Zensylvania. It's a state of mind. <laughs>